And uh, I appreciate the Lyles uh, being baptized. Uh, Miss Lyle, I was very afraid of, of uh, water. That's why it took me so long to... I, well, I was eight. That doesn't sound like it took a long time. But I struggled with that a long time because I knew if I got saved, it meant I had to get baptized. And the first time my face went underwater was in the baptismal pool as an eight-year-old kid. But uh, the Lyles w- just went through our last new members class. We're now in a, a new one. And, uh, and they've been saved for a long time. But uh, as Baptists, we baptize by immersion after salvation. And they learned about that and, and said, you know what, we want to do that and, and get that right for us and to be a part of this church. So I really appreciate that kind of commitment, that kind of, of, of obedience. And, uh, you know, whenever you're obedient, you, you get critics. Do you know that? Whenever you do anything, you're going to have critics. I learned a long time ago, no matter what I did, somebody would not be happy. So I just had to decide who it was I wanted to not be happy. And I decided I didn't ever want that to be God. <laughs> so other than that, I, I might make you unhappy. And, and, and if I do, you're very welcome to tell me. I, I was sharing with somebody earlier. I was saying in here earlier how like, I get anxious. And, and, and that's using that word uh, literally. Uh, just There's so much going on this morning. My mind is racing. And it makes me where I get sharp and critical. I was... I snapped at my wife this morning. You know, I haven't had a chance to apologize yet, so I'll do it in front of God and all creation. Uh, because I'm just so, so eager. And, and, but anytime you go to do something, somebody's going to get upset. And I, that's just a fact. I had a wise man tell me how you could tell the difference between the sheep and the pastor of the sheep. Or the shepherd. He said the pastor is the one that got up on his hind legs and led. Amen? What he was saying was that was somebody who was bold enough at the call of God to stand up and do something. You following me? And, and by the way, that's not exclusively for the pastor. That God calls all of us to lead somebody somewhere, sometimes something. Now, last week we learned what Peter did in opening the door to the Gentiles. And this was radical for that church. This is radical for the New Testament first church, because as far as they were concerned, only Jewish people could be saved. Now, I don't know what prejudice you have. Last week I talked about prejudice, and I used just race of black and white. And, and, uh, but, you know, all, not all prejudices are racial. Some people prejudice against redheaded people. I'm just here to tell you, all right? Now, you know, we're, we're a small percentage of the population. I, you, you may have a prejudice about something else or someone else. It may be a sports team. maybe an area of the world or the country. Uh, it could be racial. It could be anything. It might be the kind of car somebody drives or, or what kind of neighborhood they live in or, or what socioeconomic level they're at, whether it's high or low. And we have prejudice and preconceived ideas. And God wants us to see everybody one of two ways, saved or lost. You with me? I, I kind of need to clear that up because last week I, I made it in such a way it sounded like it, I was only talking about one thing. I, I want you to understand that in all of those things we have to overcome. And Peter overcame them. And as soon as he got back to Jerusalem, he faced criticism. As soon as he got back, open your Bibles to Luke. Uh, to Luke. Acts 11, Luke wrote, uh, the human author of this, 18 verses. Y'all want to stand up real quick? We'll read them. Um, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, 
Janice said, how do you know they were critical? I said, because it says it right there. They criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying and was in a trance. Uh, I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners that came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice say to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent, the, uh, which in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, "Send a Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved." You and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, there, uh, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Let's pray. Lord, we stand before you and kneel before you in Jesus' name and just ask that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, indeed, uh, take away all of our anxiousness. Lord, may we hear what you have to say and may we take it extremely seriously. And Lord, I just thank you that Peter was faithful and that I thank you for the way he responded in this passage. And I thank you for the work that you are doing in the church and that you continue to do today. Uh, Lord, just open our eyes to behold wonderful things out of your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You, you can sit down. I don't know if you've noticed on TV there's always these pundits. Uh, if the president or some politician makes a speech, then all of a sudden the news people come out and tell you what he meant to say, what he should have said, and what they think he said. Y'all notice that? And of course, in, in the past several years, my favorite team has ro risen to heights. And I've started listening to more to sports radio and stuff. And when I was a kid, I could tell you every player, every team in any sport. But, you know, I've gotten older and I don't have time for all that. But, but boy, I kind of pay attention. And what I've realized is those guys on the radio and television don't really know what they're talking about. <laughs> they really don't. They, they're paid to say stuff, so they got to say stuff. And they just say stuff. And there's just a lot of people that way. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard this quote, but Theodore Roosevelt in 1910 made a speech in France. This was before the outbreak of even World War I. And, and the context makes this even greater, but I, I don't have time. The quote itself is a little bit long. But he says, it's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. 
but who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself for a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. Peter is obviously a strong leader. God, Christ picked him, said, you're the rock. And I don't know about that, but when the Holy Spirit came, Peter became that strong leader. And he was a strong leader because he was humble and listened to God. It's only when Peter let his personality, this, I believe Peter was ADD. I believe he's one of the, uh, the guys in the Bible that just suffered or actually was blessed with that. And, and, and so there were these times, these impulse controls, where his impulse would... He, he would lose the control of that and he'd make a wrong decision. But, but man, Peter, in all of his fear and trembling and all this failure, stands up one more time at Pentecost and begins to obey. And he was a humble man. He listened to God. And, and we see that in this testimony here. These people meet him. And, and I notice what they're called there. You need, you need to see that in verse 1 because they cause trouble throughout the New Testament. Uh, they are, uh, it says, when he goes out to Jerusalem, remember... Uh, in, in the last verse of chapter 10, it says they stayed. They asked him to remain for some days. So we don't know how long, but Peter hung out with them, started helping them, training them, and teaching them. You, I want you to notice one other thing. Did you notice Cornelius in verse 1 of chapter 10? It says he was devout and religious, but it doesn't say he was a proselyte of the Jews. He never became a Jew. You could, as a Gentile, become a Jew. And the, the, the Christ, well, I'll come back to that. But he never did that. And you know why I think he didn't? Because the Jews had made so many man-made rules about obeying God that he just loved God and he didn't want to get involved in the rules. Do you know some people don't want to be a part of a church because we mess it up? There's only two reasons why the church exists here. Y'all tell me what they are. To know Christ and to make him known. To bring people to salvation and educate them, teach them, edify them, disciple them to obedience. That's the only two reasons why we exist. Anything we do outside of that is a waste of our time and a waste of God's efforts and God's energy. Not that God runs out of energy, but we waste what he gives us when we don't do that. And so Peter, he stays. When he gets back, there's this group of people who believe that you got to become a Jew before you can become a Christian. And they're called the circumcision party. Okay, it's the sub-party of the church. Already exists. Y'all know there's always groups in church, right? I don't know if this is the only church you've ever been to. Some of you, maybe that's true. But if you've been in several churches, you find out that it never changed. I have a, I have a good friend that's a Presbyterian pastor. And uh, way back years ago when our kids were all little, he was in a little church in South Carolina, Presbyterian church out in the middle of the country. And he wanted to have a strong Sunday school. And the Presbyterians didn't do Sunday school very well. So you know what he did? He called the Sunday school board of our state, state of South Carolina. And he said, would you send somebody up here to teach us how to do Sunday school? They said, absolutely. So he had a guy come speak to everybody. And you know what the church said about him? You want this church to become a Baptist church, don't you? He said, no, I want us to do Sunday school right. And I went to the guys that do it best, you know, and... I'm not sure we still have that title, but, uh, but we used to do it very, very well. They, 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 people that will lead will get criticism. But there's a difference between criticism and honest correction or honest questions. 
We've got to have that. You've got to have somebody that sees it and sees, wait, there, that might be a problem. Or what about this? Or we, you know, we need to address that. But the problem is, so many times, when, when you're a person that can see the problems, you get paralysis by analysis. Y'all have heard that term, right? Where you analyze what you need to do so much, you never do it. Because you're always like, well, this, but what about, but what about, but what about? Well, dude, just go. You know, you, you got enough go. Rick Warren says they, they follow the doctrine of good enough. When it gets good enough, they do it. They, they don't try to, you know, they said it'll get better as we go, but you got to start. You got you to get in there. And when you get in there and start, you learn pretty quick at sink or swim, right? My, my son, uh, he's a very good swimmer. And, of course, he had swimmies when he was a little kid and all. And, like I said, I was scared of water. So I was real proud that any of my kids could swim. And, and Janice was a good swimmer. And so Ian was doing that. And back then, we'd go out in this river in a boat with some folks and one day, I said, if you ever want to take off your swimmies and you think you're confident, he was only about four or five. He said, Dad, I think I'm ready. And there were several boats. You know, we're all parked at, at this spot in the river. And I said, you sure? He goes, yeah. I said, all right, well, let's take off your swimmies. Took him off, picked him up, and threw him in the deep. And Jess went, he's going to drown. I said, no, he won't watch. And boom, sure enough, he came back to the boat. He said, can I swim to that boat? I said, at the same time, she said, no. I said, yes. I said, jump before she can stop you. Boom, and off he went. And he's been swimming ever since. He became a lifeguard, actually. You know how he learned? He jumped in the deep end. Now, I'm not saying that's always the way to do it. That's just sort of how my mind works. And I, I appreciate that it goes, hold on there, horse. Before we, before we jump off this cliff, let's figure out some things, you know. And, and, and so you got to have both things. And so I'm not talking about never saying, oh, well, that's wrong or that's a problem or we need to address that because you have to. But this group, this particular group, are critical because... Horror of horrors, Peter talked to people that were uncircumcised. Seems foolish to us, doesn't it? Yet when I was a kid, first time I ever went out on a church-wide, let's go into the neighborhood and invite people to church, we were given special instructions if we knocked on the door and the wrong person answered. That didn't set well with us. And we got over that pretty quickly, I have to say. Well, I'm just telling you, I've lived through that. I've lived through going through that kind of thing. And Peter comes back and he's criticized. By the way, I, I, I don't know. I kind of ran through it. The thing I just want you to remember is whenever you obey God, you, you're going to have critics. I, I, and, and I'm just telling you, in a church setting, when somebody says, well, I don't like that y'all did this or that. Uh, we've had people, oh, they, they came to my door, knocked on the door, and they, they were trying to tell me I was lost, and I just don't appreciate being bothered at my home by people knocking on my door. Okay, we'll put down your address. We won't bother you anymore. There was a famous evangelist back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. When he was a little kid, he would, uh, he would preach to cats and dogs, and then he would practice baptizing them. Now, this is a true story. One time he was trying to baptize a cat, and the cat started scratching him and clawing and meowing and got away and he threw the cat down and said, fine, be sprinkled and go to hell with all the rest of the Methodists. <laughs> well, that was a little severe. He's only a little kid. I mean, but that guy grew up to be some kind of preacher, I'm telling you. But, you know, there, there's just some people like, I don't want that. You know, God goes, okay, fine. God will give you what you want. And if you don't want God, he'll leave you alone. I don't have to force you to obedience. If God didn't work in your life, don't obey. But let me warn you, if you don't, if God speaks to you and you don't obey, there are consequences. And some of them very, very severe. So Peter obeyed and, 
he got criticized. But one thing I do want to point out is that they had not had the opportunity to go through what Peter went through. In other words, God didn't speak to them. He spoke to Peter. And Peter went and did something. He had to come back and explain it. Right? What did Ricky Ricardo say? Lucy, you've got some explaining to do. So Peter comes back and he has to explain what God did. Now, there's a thing in business, and, it's, and I had to write it down to remember it. It's called the infusion of innovation. That is, when something new comes along, it takes a while before everybody accepts it. Okay, you following that? Coca-Cola in the early eight, 1980s, I started to say 1800s, in the early, that was when it was cocaine. Uh, in, in, the, in the 1980s, in case you don't know, that was the original formula of Coke. Um, they came out with a new product, I believe it was Diet Coke. They spent, in the early 80s, $5 billion in advertising to introduce Diet Coke. Because they understood this. You see, when you're faced with a new idea, there's a group of people, man, they take it just like that. When, I, when, when Apple came out with the very first iPhone, there were people camped out for a week to buy them. And they, never knew, they didn't know what it was. They'd never seen one, never touched one. But the idea of what it was going to be drove them to be there. They accepted the idea just like that. There are people who today say, I ain't touching that thing. Y'all know people like that in church? You, you get my point? When God comes and tells the church, hey, I want you to do this, there's some people who go, yeah, let's do it. And there's some people that will go, I ain't obeying God no matter what happens. They wouldn't say it that way, but that's, that's the result. And the rest of us are kind of in the middle. And the law of the infusion of innovation says you got to get about 20 or 25% acceptance. And when that happens, then the rest will accept, except for the little percent at the other end that they're convinced. Don't try to confuse them with facts. You know what I mean? So, so that's what happens here to Peter. And these people were so cued in to being Jewish, they didn't understand that you could be saved without being circumcised and accepting all the Jewish laws. Like I said, that's why Cornelius probably wasn't a proselyte. He wasn't going to keep all those weird things like, you telling me I can't eat my pork? No way. I mean, we caught some nice shrimp there in the Mediterranean, and I'm going to eat them. So I'm not going to be a proselyte. But I do love God, and I want to know him. And there are people that we try to make them good church members instead of Christians. And we got to be careful of that. Sorry, I'm very thirsty. When I get anxious, I also get thirsty. So Peter is confessional in his explanation. It is so interesting to see what he does. And I want you to notice one little phrase in verse 4. Peter explained it to them in order. He doesn't go, no, guys, listen, you, gotta, you, you, gotta, you just got to accept this. I mean, I'm a little amazed that anybody would dare contradict Peter. I mean, after all, Jesus himself said, you're the rock, you're the head, you do it. And now these people are going to go, you're not doing it right. I, we just read, uh, was it this morning, yesterday? Uh, we're in the Old Testament. And Moses and, and his sister says, are you the only person God speaks through? You know how a big sister can be. I got one. He's all I know is this is what God asked me to do, and it's what I'm doing. Because the Bible says Moses was more humble than any man on earth. And yet he's leading a million people through a desert for 40 years. And he was the most, in God's eyes, he's the most humble guy on earth. And he's leading a huge thing. Of course, you know, God put a whammy on Miriam until she figured it out. But you can go read that later. It's not part of this sermon. 
But Peter gives an account in order. He says, here's what happened. And I want you to notice the three things he did. We've read it. First of all, in verse 5, he talked about prayer. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. So so he, he lays it out there. I was in prayer, guys. This isn't something I just thought of. This is something that happened to me in prayer. Now, I've heard people use prayer and God's will as an excuse to abuse people and be wrong and a bunch of other stuff. If you tell me you prayed about it, but yet what you're going to do is against the word of God, you may have prayed, but it wasn't to God, the uh, Jehovah God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And you may be being led by a spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit if it contradicts God's word. This is the standard. And God never contradicts the standard. Now, your understanding may be wrong, and you may need help understanding what God's word says. I need that. You need that. We all need that. Right? You with me? But Peter, when he says he prayed about it, he means he, he was just praying. He didn't ask for this vision. He said, I'm just praying. And he describes the vision, which we talked about last week, and you know what it was. So, first of all, Peter lays out, no, I, I was in prayer foundation of what I was doing I was just talking to God I was just laying out before God and, and, and talking to him and he gave me this vision and this is the vision and in that vision I really didn't understand it but he says the second thing is but I was led by the Holy Spirit look at verse 12 in verse 12 he says and the Spirit told me to go with them he's talking about the guys he said as soon as the vision was gone the knock came on the door and the Holy Spirit told me see I prayed and God told me now, like I said, I, I've known bad people to use that as an excuse to do bad things. But, but the point is, it ought to be how we do things. We ought to pray and let God speak to us. And, and I don't know how God speaks to you. When I say God spoke to me, I don't mean that I hear an audible voice outside of my body. Some people say they have and do. And as long as they're in accordance to God's word, I'm not going to contradict that. But that's not how God does it with me. But he does, I feel like I know what God wants. I, I have this super impression. Sometimes it's almost, it's, well, one preacher said that somebody asked him, do you hear an audible voice? He said, no, it's much louder than that. Uh, you know, there's some times where I think I've almost heard a voice, not quite, but it's louder than a voice. It's like you, it's really driving. But when I feel like I know God's will, you know what I do? I don't run out and go, hey, God told me this and we got to do that. I start asking people and I get confirmation from the church that this is God's will because we are a body, right? And the head never acts contrary to the body. If the head, and if the body does, there's a disconnect somewhere. And so when the body's not doing what the head says, the head quits telling it stuff. It just says, okay, fine, y'all gonna listen, I was just shut down. And that's when a church dies. And, and why would we quit doing what he says? Because we don't like the new stuff he's telling us. We don't have an infusion of innovation. To us, it's all new and brand new. Solomon says nothing new under the sun. There's no complaint you're going to make. We, we went to do something at another church that we had done before. And I said, I'm going to write down a list of ten criticisms we're going to get. And I'm going to hand it to you so when they come, you'll know that this just happens. And I, I can listen. Do you know no preacher ever leaves a church because everybody doesn't like him? It's usually about 10 people that run a preacher off. Do you know that? And by the way, 90% of all men that enter the ministry won't finish. They'll, they will not die in the ministry. They will die selling cars, insurance, or something else. 
Now, there's various reasons for that. I'm just telling you that criticism's real. And some people are just more sensitive than others. I wouldn't know because I'm not sensitive at all. So I apologize for that. But, I mean, I, I just, I, if, listen, if all of you start telling me about something I did wrong, I would listen to everything you had to say. And I would ask God, what are they saying that I need to hear? And the rest I'll ignore. But what God tells me that is right, because there's always some truth in it, that I need, because I need to be a repentant person myself. Amen? Because you don't try something without error. You don't do something without mistakes. And so you got to listen. you gotta, you got to understand that and listen to what God's telling us. But at the same time, sorry, this doesn't want to come on. Um, I thought I had it where it wouldn't go off. At the same time, we've got to obey when God speaks, and we've got to be following God. And we've got to do that with a certain kindness. So Peter says in verse 12, God told me to do this. But then notice what he says. These six brothers also accompanied me. In other words, Peter goes, I didn't just go out there by myself. I made sure I brought some guys that said, hey, go with me. Make sure this is right. Make sure we're, we're on line here. Keep me accountable. Amen? If you're an island to yourself, you're going to be in trouble. You've got to have fellowship and accountability with other people. And then the third thing Peter does is down in verse 15 through 17, and it's God did something. I didn't do that. <laughs> he said, I prayed, I obeyed, but God did something. Look what he says, beginning in verse 15. I began to speak. The Holy Spirit fell on them. Notice, again, the preacher's perspective. The Bible said in chapter 10, as he continued to speak, Peter said, as soon as I started, the Holy Spirit fell. I, I got a feeling he'd been preaching an hour, and God's finally like, okay, he ain't going to shut up. Let me just go ahead and do what I'm doing. You know? but, but Peter says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell as he fell on us at the beginning. God did this consistently. He did it at Pentecost. He did it with the Samaritans. He does it with Cornelius. The same thing happens to show this is me. Listen, I could, I can, we could all leave here and you could put me by the door and blindfold me and have everybody walk by and I would hear Janice's footsteps. I know the sound of that. You follow me? I can pick her voice out of a crowd. Why? Because I know that voice. I know that, that motion, that footstep. I know it's her. And Peter says, I, I know when God does something, God did it in a way, he says, see, I did it like this. And now you know me, you know this how it works, so you know this is me. God will make sure you know it's him. And that's what happens. And, and Peter says, so the Holy, Holy Spirit fell just it did it on us. And then I remembered what, and here, here's the new thing we didn't know, what Jesus said, the word of the Lord, how Jesus told me personally John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I think here Peter makes a little subtle hint like, Jesus told me that, not you. He told the 12 of us. I know this, we're not all still here, but I heard him say this. And when that happened, I remember, oh yeah, Jesus told us this would happen. And then he said, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ... Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Who am I to say that's, that's illegitimate? Who am I to say that, oh God, you can't do it that way? But that's how, we do that so subtly we don't even realize it sometimes. I mean, later on in, in, in chapter 12, we're going to see Peter's arrested. And the church is praying for him to get out. And he gets out. 
knocks on the door, and the little girl goes, I answer the door, runs back, says, it's Peter. They say, can't be, he's in jail. We're in here praying for him. Right? Sometimes we pray and God answers, and we go, uh, is there anybody else I can talk to up there? Because I don't like this answer. You know? We don't like the way God's doing it. Don't like the way he wants to act in our lives. Listen, <laughs> let me just go ahead. If it's suffering, this is the only place you're ever going to suffer. And Paul basically put it in modern vernacular. You can put up with it for a little while. I go to the dentist and they want to give me a shot. And I go, I don't need that. And sometimes they won't let me talk them into it. But I've had a root canal without Novocaine. I said, why are you going to give me a shot? He said, well, honestly, you shouldn't feel it because the nerve is dead. I said, well, that's what I thought. And I said, you just do the shot to comfort people. He goes, yeah. I said, well, I'm already comforted. Go for it. And he said, well, if I hit live nerve, you're going to know it. I said, I'll let you know. He said, you won't have to. You, I'll know it. <laughs> and he never hit live nerve. And he did an entire root canal and then overcame. What am I saying? I'm saying this that I don't know what I'm saying. No. <laughs> I'm saying this is we don't like how God does things. And we say, no, you can't do it that way. God doesn't do things just to waste time. He does them on purpose. He has a purpose in everything that comes into your life. There is nothing that comes into your life you don't have a purpose for. My, my, my family, we, we just got bad news, well, considered bad news about a week ago. I'm, I'm not free to share that right now, but, but we got some news that just, it's, it's tough, it hurts, it's hard. Okay, great. God's given us a new, new way to get to glorify him. That's awesome. It's wonderful. It's not the worst thing ever. Don't, don't, don't come up and go, are y'all okay? We're fine. We're fine. Don't, 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 I don't want to overstate that. But I'm just telling you that all of us have moments where we go, oh, Lord, what's going on here? The Lord goes, I'm going on here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm developing the image of Christ in you. I'm having my will in your life so that more people. I, I told you all, Pastor Rob, call me. And he said, I've got other guys I can ask, but I was really hoping you could come. He said, because I want my church to know that we're all on the same team. I said, brother, I'm with you on that. Pete, why would you be calling me right now? All of a sudden, my, <laughs> my phone calls come through the thing, and I said, Pete Comby was calling me. Y'all get on Pete later. said, he's preaching, man. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mind throwing him under a bus. Um, and then... I love the last verse. Not only did Peter be, was criticized, but he confesses what God did. But Peter is confirmed. Look at verse 18. When they heard these things, they fell silent. Now, I believe that that they and that phrase refers back to the circumcised party. It doesn't say they got happy. It doesn't say they believed it. It says they just got quiet. It's like, well, we can't beat him here. We'll, we'll get another shot at this, in my opinion. Now... There's no, new pro, there's no new noun, and they use the pronoun they again. So it may be that they rejoiced. I just don't think they did because I know they keep giving Peter problems. Maybe some of them did. But notice what happens. They got quiet, but everybody else got happy. You know, I, I, a long time ago, I, I heard these uh, popular musicians at the time, and and he said, you know, we're going to do songs like this. And, and they, weren't, they weren't radical things at all. And he said, 
we want you to be free to worship the Lord like you want. If you want to shout, you can shout. If you want to raise your hands, you can raise your hands. You want to sing along, sing along. If you think that we ought to be silent for the Lord, be silent with all your might. And just that phrase hit me. Be silent with all your might. If God tells you to be quiet, be quiet. Be silent with all your might. And, and there's a reality in that. It's not sitting there passively. It's, I'm quiet before you, Lord. Tell me what you want. And you do that with all your might. Amen? I always say, I always end that with, and if you don't know what else to do, throw money and we'll all be happy. But, uh, you know, it, that's not true. But, but they heard, they glorified God. You see, the point and the purpose of the church, this is the task we're given to do, but the point of all that is, is that God will be glorified. Everything we do here ought to be bring glory to God, right? So when people say, is this right or wrong? I, I don't know. Can you glorify God by doing that? And if you can't glorify God in it, don't do it because it's not a faith in your life. There are people that might be free to do some things I'm not free to do, but they can glorify God in it let them do it. Or I won't do. There are some things I would do if I weren't a pastor, if I weren't in this position. I might would do some things differently, not because they're right or wrong, but just the perception of it. And to me, it's okay, but hey, just for your sake, I won't do it just so you don't stumble. Right? One B, I'd quit getting haircuts. But, you know, I'm not saying it would look good. It's just saying I wouldn't get haircuts. You know, if you say, you know, that doesn't look real good. I don't care. Why do I do it? Just so you won't go, why didn't that guy get a haircut? And so there's some things that you may be free to do, but you don't do because you don't want to offend people. But what you do, you ought to do it to the glory of God. See, I don't want to distract you when I'm preaching, so I try to do things that won't distract you. And I appreciate we have a lot of freedom here at Calvary. Don't, don't, don't take that out of context. I just know churches that are kind of uptight and, and, and they don't know how to, how to do that. But God was glorified and then they rejoiced at salvation. Do you see that? In that last verse there that we were covering, verse 18. And they, the, they glorified God saying, then the Gentile, to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. They were excited because people were getting saved. They were ecstatic because God was bringing people to know him. I'm going to take last week's sermon, as I said, and apply it there at, at Church United today. And I wrote a new phrase in there. Did you know God wants to save some people that nobody else wants to get saved? There are just some people we really hope they don't ever get saved, but God wants to save them. And so we don't get to be that judge. We have to tell every creature. If, if the worst terrorists, whoever they are today in the world, put a gun to our head and said anything, our job is to tell them about Christ before we die. That's our job. That's what we do. It's not our job to get revenge. It's not our job to get vengeance. It's not our job to do anything except tell the world who Jesus is. That's our job. And so when Peter did that, he got criticism, but he explained it and those of good faith went yes praise god god's doing something new and they're excited about it and i understand the context of what we're talking about if some guy shows up and says god's told me something brand new it's got to line up with this because the canon is closed okay god doesn't give new revelation today peter was still writing the revelation as well as paul and others so so understand that context but i'm just telling you god may lead you to do something that's new to you it's not new to anybody else it's new to you and you may get criticism for it. But if it's God's will, then go for it. 
And we ought to encourage and support those who want to obey God. Because you've had the opportunity to see all these things through the scripture. And one thing I want you to, what can, what can we do about it? Well, first of all, contribute to the solution instead of criticizing those who act. If there's a problem and you see somebody trying to solve it, jump in there and help them. Don't criticize them. Say, hey, let me help you. Have you thought about this or that? I want to help you get it done. And this might slow you down. This might stop you. And I, I want to see God's will done. That's how, that's how you are positively critical. Critic is a good word. Criticism is a good, critical is a good word. Criticism is not. We need to have critical thinking. We need to understand. We need to know what we're doing. But we don't need to criticize each other while we're doing it. And so be a part of the solution instead of part of it. That's why I always say I like the way they're doing it better than the way I'm not doing it. Right? Heard that phrase when, uh, when I was a younger man and I was sharing a track with a Christian. Like, what do you think of my friend's track? And they read it and said, well, I don't think it's got enough about repentance in there. I mean, it's only, a, you know, not even a full page on a big piece of paper. It's just a little track. It's like, well, you can't cover all the doctrines of the faith in that little track. I said, well, I like the way he's doing it better than the way you're not. I said, do you witness? They said, no. I said, well, I like the way he does it better than the way you don't do it. And that kind of stuck with me after that. Be sure when God leads you. I, I understand God leads us different ways. Sometimes God speaks to us through other people, through his word, through circumstances. Try not to make God speak to you through circumstances. Because that's, that's, that's painful. But if he can't get your attention the other way, he'll get them through circumstances. But be sure that it's God. Square it up with God's word. And if you're not sure, get with people that can help you discover that. Before you act, make sure you know it's God's will. Peter knew it was God's will because God had revealed it to him in a special way. And Peter was a guy that could be revealed to you that way. But be sure. Number three, glorify God and rejoice in what God's doing. Even if you don't like it. Can you rejoice about what you don't like? <laughs> Can you say, thank God for this. I don't like it, but thank God they're doing it. I, I heard about this fella, and it, it's a similar story to Calvary, actually. He started pastoring this church, preaching in it. And the church was exploding and growing. And there was a church nearby that was dying. And there was like 11 people left. And they came and they said, can you help us? He goes, I don't know what I can do. They said, would you come preach? We'll do it at a different time. He said, I will only come if you do anything I ask. They said, okay. So it wasn't long before they had built up and they had to change and they, they had to get a bigger place and, and they were having to put out folding chairs. And so one day they were in there putting out folding chairs and he was helping. And he said, the oldest guy there, and I don't know how old he was, but up in his 80s, started complaining. He said, oh, we got to put out these chairs every week. This music's loud. I don't like the way these kids look coming in here. And he said, oh, man, I'm sorry. He said, don't you apologize to me and don't change anything we're doing. God's getting people saved. I just don't like it. <laughs> and he was there faithfully doing, even though he didn't like it, it wasn't his cup of tea. He saw the hand of God and rejoiced. And we got to be that way. Did you know that God uses people we don't agree with? Isn't that crazy? We're not, we're not the ones that are the standard for everybody else. We ought to strive to be, but we're not. We ought to, we ought to strive to be perfectly in sync with God.
But here's the sad truth. Nobody is. We all are in a growth curve that will not end until we get into eternity. And if you're not growing, either you're not saved or you're not trying. Because God wants us to grow as long as we're alive and be used by him to bring glory to him. Amen? That's what I get out of this. Criticism's going to happen. Negative criticism's going to happen. Don't worry about that. But allow positive criticism to help you or critical thinking to help you make sure you're obeying God's will and then obey it with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And like I said last week, if Peter had not been willing to do that, you and I wouldn't be sitting here. But because he opened the door to us, we get to be saved. 